Welcome to the Penny Bloom Podcast. Ain't another place that has got more bombast. Rump past your mom, dad's listening to Tomcast. Talking everything that make you sad. We don't want that. We're here to make you smile. Put your mind at ease. Peace, love, and bloom, and always praise Keanu Reeves. This what we about. Get some weed and now. We'll talk until we can't no more, and then we peace and out. Alright, let's go. Penny Bloom Podcast. It's the Penny Bloom Podcast. Penny Bloom Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome in to Winter is Blooming, a Game of Thrones rewatch podcast by us, the Penny Bloom Podcast. It is I, Colton Robertson, and today I am joined by Joseph George. What's up, homie? Oh, what up, what up? Always a pleasure to be here. Oh, and it is always a pleasure to have you. Today we are covering Season 3, Episode 7, The Bear and the Maiden Fair. Written by George R. R. Martin and directed by Michelle McLaren. And uh, this was quite the episode, man. A lot of memorable mm-hmm. moments. Tons oh, yeah. of oh, memorable knew, moments. Obviously the title. You know, we knew the bear was coming. We knew Brienne. And we knew, you know, that that's what I knew of this episode. And that was the yeah, only me. thing, pretty much. I was like, okay, I know this is happening. But everything else pretty much have, was all a nice, refreshing revisit, you know, of... Mm-hmm. Of everything. Um, and a lot of scenes that I don't know if maybe I just brushed over initially, but a lot of really beautiful scenes in this episode. That, oh, like, yeah. I, I didn't really remember exactly, but um, but yeah, I know this, this was a unexpected, like everything else was, was good. I, I was waiting for the, the big moment, you know, the, yeah, right. just the, the Brienne moment. But then I'm like, oh, wow, everything else here is actually, I don't know, I'm, I'm okay with it. Which, oh, yeah, and it's uh, just it another another goodie. Fun fact about Michelle McLaren here, director of this episode. Uh, she directs four episodes throughout the show. This is the first of the four. And she is the only woman director from seasons one through six uh, for Game of okay. Thrones. They wow. do not. Uh, they didn't dip into the bag for women much. Didn't get a lot of diversifying uh, uh points of view if you will that um, makes sense <laughs> it does <laughs> this episode wow that makes so much more sense this episode actually uh, yeah. that an actual just not man was behind yeah, not, some not of the man. yeah just not man was behind some, some more tasteful things. handling of nudity um, and such yeah, exactly oh man yeah oh, okay that makes perfect sense but maybe they realized they were like oh we can have the nudity and all these adult things but it doesn't have to be um you know the way that we've done it before. I don't know. Maybe they were like, wow, this is this is something that we didn't think was possible. I don't know. But um <laughs> but I don't know, yeah, this um at least a good start. I don't know, four four episodes, that's mm. um I don't know. I wonder what the other ones if they'll be kind of similar, you know, in taste or or who knows. Um, we'll find out next but, week because yeah. that is the next one directed ah, by okay. Michelle McLaren. Okay. Okay. There we go. Well, but we got a bunch of locations this week. We're heading mm-hmm. to the north. We're heading to Yunkai, mm-hmm. Blackwater Bay, Hollow Hill, uh, on our way to the Twins at Heron Hall, and at King's Landing. I think that makes eight, which is uh, I think a new high. There we go. Oh yeah. Granted, yeah. there are like three of them in a row that are like one paragraph. They're not. Yeah. Uh, 
and it's I think it's kind of like before wasn't it all kind of grouped in with yeah. like Riverlands or something like that for sure. So like um, I don't know, people are kind of splitting up now more. It seems you know we're not um, everyone's going off in their own directions now. Mm. Um, so I feel like the locations will start because like yeah, we'll eventually have like Arya over you know just doing Arya stuff. I guess we'll, I don't know that's. A lot, but I'm just trying to think of like all the locations that we'll get eventually. You know, right? I wonder if eventually we'll get to like 12 in an episode. I don't know if that's I don't know possible, but who knows? But uh... mm. yeah, we'll uh, we'll have to see. You know, I think mm. that uh, I, I enjoy I enjoy the way that stuff in the uh, stuff in the Riverlands is starting to break up with the Hound going ahead and taking mm. Arya this week. Um, mm -hmm. That'll be nice. That'll be a night. It's the beginning of a great arc for both the, both Arya and the Hound. Mm. But uh, with that, we are going to be starting in the north. Ah. After having survived a perilous climb up the wall, Jon Snow, Egret, and the Wildlings, led by Tormund, make their way towards Castle Black to await Mance Raiders' biggest fire the North has ever seen to begin their attack on Castle Black. And I loved the way this scene kicked off with Tormund explaining how to make love to a woman. Uh, hey, you know, I think we even talked about that last episode, actually. We were like, yeah, people in the North, they probably just don't even know what good sex is at all. But then, like, and then Tormund lays it out for you. I guess, you know, maybe my headcanon is that, like, he's just different than he's I, a like every lover. Yeah, yeah. Like, the, no, no one else is like that, you know. And well, he, he is, he's schooling yeah. everybody, you yeah, know. He yeah, is no teaching one, everyone. This is true, yeah. You, know, and, you, and, you, you, you don't just get in there and just, <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you gotta care. You shouldn't even, your cock shouldn't go anywhere near her until she's wet <laughs> like a baby seal. Uh, like, what a fucking, what a fucking man. Uh, Tormund. Oh, Tormund Giants Bane, man. Quite the guy. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, I loved it. I loved everything about Tormund in that scene. But uh, after this, John confronts Aurel about having cut <laughs> him and Egret loose on the wall. And mm. uh, he's like, yeah, I cut her loose, too. You see her making a big fucking fuss about it? No, she knows exactly why I did it. Um, yeah. And John's like, yeah, all right, fuck it. I don't I know. Don't, no, but OK. Uh, you yeah. can tell John doesn't have a lot of clap back to this, but he's like, you know what? You high and mighty son of a bitch, you think you're better than me, and <laughs> all that knowledge you gained from inside of a bird's head, et cetera, et cetera. Um, yeah, I, I, that's the only thing I can make fun of you right now for is the way you roll your eyes in the back of your head real weird and go in the head of a bird. <laughs> I guess, you know, no, no one else can really do that, so it's actually pretty cool, but whatever. But I, I don't know, whenever you were saying that, that, uh, that he was like an, in, you know, incel and like that he just, that he loved Egrid before, you know, and everything. And I was like, I didn't remember that at all. And, like, I just thought that you, you just applied that to him just because it was funny, you know? And I didn't know yeah. that it was legitimately, like, actually. No, that, that actually happens. Yeah, and I'm like, so whenever he was popping up talking to John first, I'm like, okay, yeah, I can see, I can see, you know, where he could get that a little bit. But yeah. then, you know, when he talks to Egrid, it's pretty, he actually clear, talks to Egrid pretty clear there. And I'm like, oh, okay, this is what he meant. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, I don't know, it, it was... I was wondering because because uh, last episode I'm like no way they don't they just don't talk about that right like no way he just almost chops them off and then they just don't bring that up ever. Um, no, they definitely did. Mm -hmm. John has beef with Arell for mm -hmm. sure. I think part of the reason he has beef is that like he knows these are one of the differences between Wildling life and Night's Watch life as far as what they're willing to do to 
save themselves versus save each other. Mm. And I think that this is kind of, it was kind of a moment where he was like, okay, yeah, I, I'm on the right side. Um, uh, I like Egret. I love Egret, you know, but mm, if, if Egret's the only one looking out for me, this ain't it, you know, like, uh, yeah. and I think that's kind of the vibe there. Mm. Um, but know, John, John's kind of, I wonder if like, um, well, I guess we haven't gotten there, so I'll just, I'll, I'll wait. I'm jumping the gun a little bit. We'll wait till we get there with the mm. grit and everything. So, uh, yeah, but, yeah. uh, anywho, uh, he tell uh, Orel tells John that, uh, this is the reason he will never be able to keep, uh, Egret because he doesn't quite get it the way she does. And, uh, during the journey through the woods, a clearly jealous Orel confronts Egret and says that she would be, uh, he would be a better man for her than Jon Snow. Hmm. He expresses, you know, I don't fuck with John. He don't fuck with us, you know. Uh, and I, I think mean, one day you'll see that. Yeah, Orel even like straight up said, "Well, well, yeah, I'm jealous." Like he like said it like I, I, actually, she's like, "What? Well, what are you jealous?" And he goes, "Well, yeah, of course I'm jealous." Like it, I don't know. It's just people in the north are just very, blunt. they're very yeah blunt and and just straight up. And but I love how like he was like kind of going poetic for a moment there, you know. Mm-hmm. And he was like, "Yeah." I'll, I'll be good to you, you know, I'll, I'll say all the right things. And then yeah, right no, whenever like, you like, she's like, I've never heard you say nothing like that to me. And he's like, but I can. Yeah. Oh, but I, and I will. Yeah, I would. And, and, but, but, but do you love him? You know, do you really? And she's like, yeah, yes. yeah, I do. You know, having a real kind. And then like from that moment, he's like, all right, yep, I'm done. You know, this, that's yep. about it. And I was like, okay, this is, this is exactly what he was talking about. You know, like, yeah, yeah um, exactly. But uh, this performance here led me very, very close to picking Rose Leslie as my mm. uh, as my performance for the episode is Egret. Uh, just the contemplation in her eyes. You know, she's not considering Arel a a match or anything, but she is hearing the words he's saying about John specifically. Yeah. And uh, the that... way that she oh. like the the thought in her eyes. It's so, it's so incredible whenever you can, you can see an actor contemplating without it being so, uh, without exposition. Like you can mm. tell she's thinking yeah, that's about right. that. Cause what does he say at the end there? Like you'll never be able to keep him. Just wait until you find out what he really is or something yeah. like that. Like is what he yeah. leaves her with. And, and then she, you know, is, is that his way of just saying that he, like that Orel kind of knows that he's a crow still too. Or okay, okay, yeah, that's that's what I thought. Um, so it's like, yeah, it, is just, it just is it just pretty obvious that people know that John is still not on their side? Be, or like, does Orel somehow like through his warging ability? Like, I don't think that's I don't how think he it's knows. a special think, power yeah, that's letting just, Orel see this. I think it's just he distrusts John more yeah. than anyone else there. Yeah, so he's willing to say something like that, even if he's wrong. You know, there's not a lot of loss there. Yeah. I feel like it's just kind of also a lie. Like, just to be like, let me, you know, I warg and I'm all, you know, you get your information. Yeah, I think there's a degree of hopefulness. Like, yeah, he's like, there. let me just let me just put some fear, you know, um, in John's name for you for no reason. Right. But, uh, but yeah, I don't but know. That ends up being a little founded within the next mm-hmm. few scenes there as a... Uh, That's right. Mm-hmm. As a uh, clearly, you know contemplative egret approaches john and he tries to persuade her that the wildlings cause is doomed for failure 
reminding her that there have been six kings beyond the wall. They've all attacked the south, and they've all been repelled. And I remember hearing this and being like, oh, no. One more is seven, you know? Right. The seventh one, the one that goes actually past the wall, is the Night King, you know? It's so like it took I, – I don't know. That was very interesting to me is like um, – did he was it yes yeah, six tried and then i was like okay it's interesting i don't know the seven you know every the, the i don't know i was just trying to look for for uh things because i forgot this detail i didn't know that like it was actually tried before but i guess yeah no i think they tried to like castle black right not that they ever no one's ever gotten through the wall no right no like so he's just saying that it's been stopped at castle black six times yeah they've been trying to get past the wall and they have not been able to get past the wall and how much of that, like, is true? You know, we never know, especially when it comes to Game of Thrones history sort of stuff, yeah. you know. Because uh, it seems that they're kind of... There's a lot they... of reason to believe that the Night's Watch would... I mean, nobody else is up there, mm. you know. To keep uh, them remaining important, you know, you'd have yeah. to say, oh, we just defended against a massive wilding attack. How would anyone else know? Right. You know, like, it's on the other side of the wall. So, like, they have zero clue. They could just say, like, yeah, we just defended against a massive attack here. But, like, the only things that I've been seeing this season is that the Night's Watch is dwindling. And they have nobody. They have only people at Castle Black, mm. you know, and that's, like, their main force. And I think it's – I don't know. I think that it's just the Night King waits for, you know, the defenses just to go down enough, you know, and, and wait – you know, no one attacks for such a long time. I wonder if these like six things are just stories completely, you know, just made up like, right. Um, because John, John even says like, every boy knows these stories, you know, like we're told these stories of the night's watch or whatever. Um, but I don't know. I wonder the validity of it. And if we'll ever, I don't, I don't think, I don't know. You know. No. Yeah. I don't think we'll ever learn any validity of it. I, I take it as, I take it as it's pretty much well-meaning because even if they, mm -hmm. Did I, I believe that wildlings have attacked the wall before? There's a reason yeah. there is a historic rivalry between mm -hmm. Night's Watchmen and wildlings. You know, like there's got to be a reason there. That's true. Um, beyond bland, uh, plain prejudice, you know, and not to say that that doesn't exist, but I'm sure it does. But you know, there's there's got to be. I think there's something there, and I think it just works a lot better to. I don't know, like to shake Egret's world up, like the stuff she experiences in mm. a span of ten minutes here, where she's like, uh, "What was that? A castle?" It's like, <laughs> it's "No, that's a windmill." windmill. Yeah, that's... Did a king build it? No, probably just some dude. Yeah, um, that's just a normal like. And and then John's even like, "Wait till you see Winterfell," but then like, imagine what she would like say to like King. I'm Blank. a little. I got my little like, silk dress from Tra La 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 Day. <laughs> oh yeah, no, they're they're just so precious together. Oh, like, yeah. I went with I went with Egret again for my favorite character two weeks in a row. Mm -hmm. Um, she's a uh, hole in my pretty dress. I'll put a black. I'll give you a black eye or what you know yeah. whatever she says. Yeah. Like she always had always has like they always have a counter. Every they're they're always like going back and forth with each other. They're impeccable. No, and it yeah. like it stands out really really hard just how good their chemistry is in an episode where like i i love rob stark and talisa 
but like paying attention to the chemistry that they have compared to John and Egret, it's it's non-existent. It's not the same. Yeah, no. No. You you can kind of just tell it's like two actors that are, you know, doing their job and having to, you know, they're they're doing great and like they're they're putting emotion into the scene and everything. I don't want to say that, but it's just you can just tell there's not like a real connection between them. Um, like, and it's it it is different. You know, John and Egret are a more playful, flirty sort of thing, and Rob and Talisa have to be like kingly and queenly and stuff. So like, (laughs) there is a difference there, I suppose. But uh, Mm -hmm. and it's it's more sappy. With Rob and Talisa than it is playful and flirtatious like John and Egret. So there's, you know, there's different levels to it. But uh, yeah, I just think their chemistry is pretty impeccable. And uh, I mean, they are married now, so that's no coincidence. Yeah, um, makes sense. <laughs> it does indeed. But yeah, so I went with Egret because I just thought that mm-hmm. the, not revelations, but things that are pointed out to her. And then the refusal to acknowledge their validity mm-hmm. is really, really important. You know, like the fact that John's like, there are castles here that, that at Winterfell that are three times the size of this. And she's like, oh, okay. It, like, she believes him, but she's like, I don't give a fuck. But, like, you know mm-hmm. she'd be in awe if she saw one. She was just in, saw of a, she was just in awe of a windmill. Yeah. It was like a tiny little tower. So, like, uh, there's, there's this interesting balance to her, like uh, a little bit of a... Ray, uh, I never knew there was this much green in the mm. whole galaxy sort of moment, okay. you know? Yeah, yeah. But hers is just gray brick. Um, yeah, brick. actually. Well, I, I, I don't know. I she had of... one last week, too, seeing over the wall and seeing the whole... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actual yeah. green moment. You know, actual, actual green. yeah, yeah, that was better. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, no, but and then, then, you know, you will die. You will die if you attack. You all will fail. Everything you guys are doing will not go well. And she's like, she sits with that for a moment. It's the way she goes, all right, how do I how do I handle this situation? <laughs> and she goes, we will die. Mm. She's like, yeah, we very well could. Oh, yeah. But you won't be fighting opposite us. You will be with us. So it is we. We will die. And Kit Harrington here, man, like you could kind of tell like he, he was like telling her like, you know, he's like, oh, like I don't want to tell you that you'll all die, but like. It's just what's going to happen, you know? And then um, just the look on his face. Like, he, he seems a little confused, you know? Like, whenever she's, like, we. And, and then, like, he, like, I don't know, has to grip it and everything. I don't know. It's just, um, I lo- like, I almost gave, it was, all, like, I almost gave the scene to them. Uh, oh, like, I did, too. For this scene. Was but, uh, but, yeah, it was, um, for that, for this reason, this one here, you know, not the Orel stuff, but, like, the... Yeah. Uh, the windmill and and this conversation yeah. here. That stuff but, was uh, that, that was such a really that was just so good. And like speaking to what you were talking about with Kit Harrington's performance there, the idea that John is realizing that he's now officially in too deep. Mm. Not that he That's wouldn't be. He is. would. He would always be okay betraying the wildlings, but now he realizes he has to betray Egret. And it's like, now that's a different level of like, ah, I've really, I've really fucked up, you know? Um, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, that's, I don't know, he's he's just too honorable, you know? He's got too much net in him. He's too just, much. I don't know. But he's he's right, though. I mean, I'd assume, you know, I'd assume that if, if these six stories are true and we see what happens to all the wildlings eventually, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, I don't know. 
I just I wish I could scream to the characters through the screen, you know, sometimes and just right. just let them know like, hey, in, in, in about four seasons here, you know, this will happen or uh, just just watch out for this. I don't know. Yeah, this, uh, will, this will but... be hardly important here before long. <laughs> uh, just ally yourselves and get on with it. OK, yeah, uh, you'll just add to his army, but that's OK. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Man, yeah. man. But uh, nevertheless, that ends the story there, and we, still in the north, are at uh, at his prison, Theon Greyjoy's prison. Uh, he's released by two beautiful women from the cross to which he is chained, and the women lay Theon down on a bed and then proceed to uh, seduce him to the best of their ability, him being incredibly uh, like hesitant. Oh yeah, uh, he knows. Like wrong. you are, you are going to fuck me over. I don't know how. I've been through enough now to recognize that this is bullshit. Um, mm. and ultimately he can't help himself. Uh, of course, makes sense. Uh, don't know how you fake this either. This is uh this is some acting right here. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They just they they just kind of had to do that. Um, yeah, I'm like, man. I wonder. Uh. Better yeah. have had an intimacy coordinator on set then, huh? Uh, but uh, yes, yeah. I don't know. That very. I don't know. Interesting that. I guess still kind of handled well. Yeah, you know, still there. So I guess yeah. I don't know. I, I I wonder like if it was just the the brothers and George R. R. Martin, you know, directing this one. If how how this goes, you know, actually yeah, right. all these all these you know the scenes like like this. But I think. Yeah, I guess I didn't think about that, but yeah, they just, there's no real way to fake that. No, uh, yeah, not one bit. Uh, but yeah, they say repeatedly, you know. repeatedly, you know, they've heard that the heir to Pike is well endowed and are hoping for firsthand experience, yeah. and Theon, still fearing for his life, eventually, you know, gives in a little bit. And uh, suddenly, the familiar horn sounds, and horn, Ramsay man. enters, and... Uh, I didn't remember that at this point we still don't know this kid's name. He is still yeah. just a mysterious guy who is torturing, torturing Theon. Him. Yeah, just a guy, a mysterious, and that's like kind of the game that they're playing, you know. Which oh, is yeah. which is fun, like trying to guess who he is. But yeah, I don't know. It's it's nice knowing that it's just Ramsey and knowing where he all goes. But it, it's also kind mm -hmm. of fun suspending the belief and kind of like um, just riding along, you know, with the. I don't know, like, I don't know how it's, I don't remember how it's revealed, you know, or if he figures it out, or if, if Ramsey just ends up telling him, you know, sort of thing, or I, I don't know, I forgot yeah, I how can't it remember either. happens, but, I can't remember, but, uh, poor, poor Theon. Yeah, man, um, he's, uh, <laughs> he gets really scared, tries to get up and escape, but is immediately hit in the head Donk. and flung to the ground, <laughs> and <sighs> the boy claims, uh, Ramsey claims he is too heard about Theon's famous uh, appendage and announces it must very well be his favorite part of his body um and when the sadistic youth brandishes a knife with a hook um theon realizes he means to remove his dick and horrified theon begs for mercy and uh ramsey's like well hey man i'm not killing you just making some alterations mercy god this dude is just evil like, I mean, just, he has an answer for everything. Just, mm. you know, to, just to make it more twisted. I don't know. He's just, he does this too much. You can tell, you know, yeah. like you like, and it's weird that this is just a normal human 
acting. You know, like this on he just this is a normal guy. He goes yep. home after this. He doesn't torture anyone in real life. I hope. Hopefully. Um. Yeah. I guess I hope. Um. Seems but man like is. Guy. Yeah. But man, can he play a sadistic? Just. Ugh. Kind of impeccably. Yeah, he's very good at what he does here. But. Uh, yeah, it was a, it was a uh, harrowing way to leave the scene with the camera blurring out. and like another thing that's much more tasteful than you would typically find in a game of thrones episode instead of us having to watch his dick get cut off um the way the camera just blurs out we hear the screaming and that's it you know i appreciate that we don't have to watch any mutilation occur yeah here. Uh, um, you know probably another yeah female director thing here because pinky they showed i mean they they zoomed in close to his pinky, showing it being peeled out. Like every other torture thing that's been shown, you know, his foot, the nail being drugged. Like a little different. Uh-huh. You can't really show a dick. Well, I guess they do, and they show Theon's actually in the show before. Like it was shown in the show, yeah. right already. But like, I'm pretty but- sure we watch a dick get cut off in House of the Dragon. Like in that first montage where Damon Targaryen is leading uh, <laughs> the city watch, and he's like, uh. You, Raper. Oh, the, you, yes. Yeah, oh, my yeah. God. Yeah, we see a dude get his dick cut off. We see a dude get killed, and then a dude get his hand chopped off, right? Like a thief, yeah. rapist, murderer. Yeah, like, yeah. and just random people, probably, thief, that they just yeah, picked probably, up. Probably yeah. not any of <laughs> Just those to things. be made examples of, those yeah. just random civilians. But, okay, fair enough. Yeah, um, so, no, I think this was just one of those examples of it being handled <clears throat> surprisingly yeah. well. Like, um, but you yeah. knew exactly what was going on. You know, you didn't yeah, need, we didn't any need more. anything more there. <laughs> um, and I wish this show would have had this much restraint a lot more yeah. often. Thank you, um, Michelle McLaren. Let, let me, yeah. I'm going to remember that name. Yep. Michelle we McLaren. More, yes. We got three more episodes with her, so yeah. going to okay. appreciate those. But uh, in the north, on their way to the wall, Bran Stark's party makes camp. And Osha remains distrustful mm. of Mira and Jojen as Jojen is whispering in the ear of Bran about what's to come and how mm. everything's going to go. And Osha's like, uh, you know, I, I need you to shut the fuck up. Stop talking to him. Yeah. I, I can't have this. And like she's been fed up and like we've just known that she's not disliked black magic and the, the three eyed raven and stuff. But now, you know, we finally get the reason as to why. Yeah. Um, but I love that, uh, Rickon here in this scene, just sleeping. They're like, we don't know what to do with you. Just sleep. And that's, so that's what Rickon's doing. Uh, I think we get probably the best Hodor this episode though. Mm. Like Osha like asks him a question and he just kind of looks at her like Hodor, you know, like it was just, it was just like, it it was kind of like the most, uh, I don't know what to say. Like every other Hodor has just kind of been like an okay. It seems, you know, like, okay, like Hodor. Um, like just like yes or okay, but this one was like kind of a real response. It seemed, you know, like kind of like I don't know, like I don't know what you want me to do. I just say Hodor, and I'm, you know, I'm just making this tent here. Um, but I couldn't remember if we got two or if it was just that one. Um, I think it was just the one. That's what I thought. I thought I thought it was just just that single one. But there might have. I, I, I think so. But I don't know. My my favorite Hodor so far uh, was was this one. The favorite um, Hodor. I love that. But yeah, I, I don't know that. this. This was a good Hodor. Uh, I don't know. I'm paying attention to him a lot more this season, obviously, or this rewatch, obviously. Uh, keeping of that course. counter going, we got one, two, three, four this season only. Um, with that one, so um, 
No, we'll check in with him a little more, I guess, and hopefully, you know, we'll, we'll get a whole lot near the end there. But still, still just very slim pickings right now. Mm. That's all right. Uh, but yeah, now let's get into the actual good, good parts of the scene. I guess I want to just get Rick on and Hodor out yeah, of the way right. there, so that we can actually get into the the good, the good thick of it here. But yeah, they're uh, they're discussing their plans to head to Castle Black, and uh, Jojen reveals that they will not be going to Castle Black. Uh, he already said, you know, John's not there, so it wouldn't be any point. So we're gonna go north of the wall, and we're gonna keep going. And Osha is like, nope, no, not gonna do that. Fuck no. Um, and thus begins the scene that gets the favorite performance of the episode: Natalia Tena as Osha. From both of us, it has to be, I feel. You know, like, I don't know how many other times I could give it to her. And that's not even why I'm giving it to her this episode. Right. It's just that I think, truly, out of the performances of this episode, she gave the best one. Mm. Um, and, I mean, we've wanted to get, you know, I think, have we given her a, a character nod before, maybe? I don't think so. Um, oh, wow. Okay, then, yeah, she definitely deserves uh, something here. And I'm I'm glad. Uh, I'm, I'm definitely not changing here. Uh, I don't, no, I don't, I don't want to spread the love. I think... Uh, she deserves it here. Uh, I think so too. She explains about how she had a man, a good man, one she loved and one who loved her. And, uh, you know, he, one day he was gone and everyone was like, well, he must have left. And she was like, I know him. He didn't do that. One day he returned through the back of their hut with skin as pale as a dead man's and eyes blue as the sky. And, uh, he put her hands he put his hands around her throat and she ultimately had to burn down their hut with him inside yeah stabbed uh, him in the heart too and it yeah. did nothing that was like that was like i don't know it was already hard just to hear her like talking about it but then it was like yeah i had to stab my loved one through the heart and then also see that it did nothing you know and still have them attack me and then having to like because you have to think like through her mind she's like not wanting to kill him you know she's oh, wanting yeah. to like still hold on and be like no there's a like i, I can't do this but then like so she's like forced to oh uh, like just the, the situation here is just terrible and then yeah just burning down the hut and i'm like okay i see the the hatred of you know uh, or, or all the reasoning behind everything now like why she's so passionate about not going back there and just like i'll get you to the wall i'll get you to castle black not a step further you know she's like i'm not going a step um, you know, further than the wall, um, that I have to, and I, I know I, I get, I, I wouldn't, you know, oh, like oh, that's no. hell no, that's that's. I don't know what she says. I almost chose it as my quote, um, but she says like, and from that from that moment, I knew that the North was no place to live anymore, or like the North was no place for us, or something mm -hmm. like that. Um, and it was just, I don't know, just really builds up the just the the suspense of you know the the night king and everything we you don't even know of the night king i guess yet but just the the luminous threat you know um all you hear is just these bad bad stories um and you know at first a lot of people are like man the the night king doesn't even come until so late and like they're just like kind of a background threat but like i kind of i like that a lot more on this rewatch and i'm i'm noticing now that like the build-up that they're doing is so good like they're just building the legend of the white walkers so well and like they gave us that little tease at the beginning and that's it you know like we'll give right. you a few and then that's it and then now we'll wait until it's a 
big, huge herd of them, and, and Samuel Tarley has to be scared for his life, or um, just a tale that you'll hear from a character, you right. know, sort of thing. And I kind of like, I don't know, I like, I like that. Um, instead of it just them, you know, I guess we always say that there needs to be stakes for for the season, you know, or whatever. That was like a, a common Mando convo, but here it's like the stakes are there, you know, without the White Walkers, yeah, even without that's them. A, that's just another overshadowing ad, yeah. threat that will <laughs> eventually come around. Yeah, we don't like, know when. Yeah, that's not even the stakes right now. The stakes are the the game that's being played south of the wall, mm. you know, right now. And then, so I don't know. It's just. But yeah, I don't know. Performance wise, I'm I'm glad that uh that she can get the I guess sweep here for performance for both of us. But Oh hell yeah. No, I love it. Natalia Ten is the shit mm-hmm. and uh I've long enjoyed her performances as Osha and uh in, in Game of Thrones and mm-hmm. Twi'lek and, and, and yeah, the Prisoner Twi'lek and the Mandalorian. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Very recently in John Wick four. Xion. She was good in that as well. Ooh. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, Natalia Tennant's got a resume on her. She was also in a bunch of the Harry Potter movies, but... Uh, That's right. Yes, I do remember that. Yeah, but that takes us to Yunkai after that, oh, where Daenerys oh. Targaryen's army is marching on the next great city of Slaver's Bay, and she and Barristan and Selmy are confident that they can take the city, given that Yunkai are famous for training bed slaves rather than soldiers. Uh, sex slaves, to put it less uh, mm-hmm. nicely. Um and Sir Jorah notes that with wisdom, however, that, you know, Yunkai's defenders won't fight them in open battle, being more likely to hold mm. up behind their walls, which are very strong, and chip away at the Targaryen's army through guerrilla tactics. And he also advises Daenerys that this would not help them at all, conquering Yunkai. Um, there's nothing you can gain here that will help your cause heading to Westeros. And Danny's like, ah, but your slaves are here, man. Yep. But you're says, blind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Two hundred thousand, maybe more. Uh, and and Danny's like, all right, well, then we will be conquering this city. Sorry, yep. there is two hundred thousand reasons to conquer this city. Then, mm-hmm. and that was like, yeah, Danny, she's getting my character uh, mm-hmm. for this episode just because she every time she comes up, like I don't know, like now I'm I'm really seeing the like the conquest that she is on this watch, like she is on a true conquest and she is you know uh like the first city yeah i mean i guess arth was i guess the first city um that she showed up in but it was really like just the first to like survive you know she just popped up in karth and like so that's you know but she took that over pretty pretty quickly there with with pretty much nothing but then astapor we saw what happened there that was just quick you know easy money done and done you know might have taken on a little negotiation and a little trickery but pretty right. easy and she's stomping through there and now yep. she's she's here and she's like yep i i mean i'm two not two gonna so far. Yeah, i'm not gonna stop freeing slaves now she was like that that is what that's like i don't know i think she she really found like the passion in that you know she was like mm-hmm. oh like i can i can free not just conquer cities and get gold and ships but i can also free people well, and there's so, also something compelling about the idea that what she does at the end of this show does not necessarily um negate what she did earlier you know there's nothing she doesn't intend on enslaving anybody at the end of the show she recognizes that being dead is better than being a slave. So she's like, and, you don't want to give in? Fuck it. You'll just die. How's and that? I guess some people like were like, 
we just I didn't see like her character just wasn't like that at all, you know. So I, she is, like, man. I mean, she's like, just got a is, lot of good reason. Yeah, like this is the the second shit city that she's at, and she's like, yeah, I'm still not taking no for an answer, and it's for good reason. So that's why we're on her side. She's freeing slaves, mm-hmm. and like how you're gonna get behind that, you know, and you're gonna get exactly. like she has dragons, she's winning. You're gonna be like, yeah, I'm I'm hopping on the Danny bandwagon. It's just she's never tested like she is until you know like it's a different kind of test it's an emotional like i don't like the i don't know there's so many things that just happen at once that cause that to happen it's not just like and it's a build-up over the span of like the whole story it's not like just oh i'm gonna decide to go crazy now and kill everybody it's no like this is a very slow burn that has been you know we see it now she's the spark is there like yeah i was watching this one and i was like the idea that something interesting here is that she's she's absolutely justified in her treatment of this guy, uh, Razdal Moa Raz, <laughs> as uh, <laughs> he's the he's the leader of the Wise Master. She's absolutely justified in her treatment of him, the uh, intimidation and the threats that she is making. He's a he's a he's a slaver, you know. Like that's fuck them, you know. Do what you will to them. Mm-hmm. So the idea that uh, she would actually do this to anybody. It's she's just got a really good mm-hmm. reason to do it to him. You know what I'm saying? Like come come later on in the later on in the show. I don't mean necessarily at this moment. She would be I gotcha. Like the way she handled Karth. She she tried yeah. to be really diplomatic and she tried to be, you know, very but even so, she still went, Oh, you're not gonna help me? Guess what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna come back here when my dragons are fully grown and I'm gonna fuck your shit up. How's that? You know, like even when she was being diplomatic, um, so yeah, that, I, that is her diplomacy almost you know her yeah. diplomacy is like i have the means to kill you yeah. and if you don't you do what consider. i want if you don't do what i want i'm way more powerful than you good luck is i mean in, in a nutshell what she's kind of kind of going with and and i love you know how how they're even like i i think they know that they're like okay she just walked through astapor they burnt that shit down all the slaves are free holy fuck let's give her some gold hopefully she just leaves and yeah. okay we'll give her all they the shit, like, everything. Um, they completely negated what jorah said immediately they were like we will give you all the means we have to get you to go ahead literally go to Westeros. yes they were like just leave don't mm-hmm. kill us we'll give you everything you need to leave we are scared of you you know that's that's all that i got from him and then like here's some even here's some gold you know for 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 some good measure and then danny's like ah well you know okay cool and all but uh you still have a lot of slaves you got to do that first for me oh no okay well i'm not mad it's it's cool but i guess you pissed off my dragons you know i am their mother and all so can't really do anything about that whoopsies but definitely you know we've had candidate by now they she just they have a mind connection and that's that's her doing do. that you know she's she either gave him a pep talk before yeah. you know or she's doing it in the moment i like to think it's more of like in the moment but right. the pep talk would be pretty cute you know before right. like hey drogon like all right scared whenever, the shit out of this guy drogon you got this yeah whenever whenever i tell them that they mess with their mom that's when you go in and, and you, you you jump on the you jump on the crate of gold well she didn't know the crate of gold was coming but yeah I whenever know. they're like he was like all right get the gold we're out of here and the dragon like hops down in front of it and is like no this is ours now buddy yep nope yeah and it's like and it was like also the slave like the slaver like slaves that were there bending you know they were just waiting there bending down mm-hmm. and they were like uh well that's just not worth it i'm not great you know like i'm not going up you know for my I don't know. It was just 
very yeah. interesting to to see um this so early on because this, oh, this yeah. is yeah definitely like i don't know i don't know what people are thinking like this is no, yeah, on just, it, you know. Again, just yeah, want to like, make it clear that like she's absolutely justified in this moment. It's that oh, dialogue yeah. Tyrion gives in the uh finale whenever he's like she crucified slavers. Who could blame her? They were terrible men, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Like but we kept cheering her on, we kept cheering her on and ultimately she felt justified in the way she did things. And yeah. that's that is exactly what happened, you know. Um she has just been right kind of also like your like if she would have just followed jorah's advice you know and just been it like, would have yeah, been turning her back on a good cause and mm-hmm. and we so like, automatically been like ah man so man, in her mind too it's also like i know i'm right you know like right. i am like it's just fueling her like divine divinity almost you know like she's like yeah i i, I am is, supposed to she do this is the moral option yeah. um and that's why like you ever question me again jorah like I'll, you know, like yeah. don't you even dare to question me again. Like, um, she know, like she knows, um, and it's out of good intent, you know. But uh, at the end, there maybe not quite. Um, yeah, but you know, she makes a right counter now, offer after they offer her the ships and the gold, and she's like, "Well, I'll I'll give you an offer. Your life. How's that? <laughs> um, huh? I'll let you live if you free everybody in the city." Give as much food, clothing, and property property as they can mm-hmm. carry in payment for their services. And, uh, yeah, Danny was like, reparations, baby, let's do this shit. And uh, she warns that uh, if her offer is rejected, Yunkai will be shown no mercy. And Rosdahl takes offense to this, saying that there will they will be more of a challenge than Ashtapur or Karth was previously, and threatens her with retribution with from uh, Yunkai's powerful friends. Mm-hmm. He claims that it will take great they will take great pleasure in destroying her army and enslaving the survivors. And at that, Drogon and his siblings begin to roar. And Rosdal was like, Wait a fucking minute. I thought you said this was safe. He's like, Yeah. She was like, Yeah, fuck yeah, I said it would be safe, but they didn't say shit. Um You're threatening me, you know, they don't like that. Mm-hmm. And uh after the dragons prevent the slavers from take the slaves from taking the chests of gold uh, Rosdal storms out of the pavilion, muttering curses, and Daenerys is like, "Hey, Jorah, you heard him say that shit about powerful friends?" He's like, "Yep." She's like, "You know who that is?" Nah, find out. He's like, "Bet I'm on." Yeah, it. I kind of I forgot about all that because like I'm I was trying to think I'm like, um, we're not in Marine. Like Marines, the pyramid and the children or the the, Sons the, of the weird heartbeat. yeah the weird cult people yeah and I'm like no it's not that I'm like we're in Yunkai I'm like what is this um i don't know i was just trying to think um but i couldn't remember and i'm like well maybe i just leave it that way i don't know maybe i'll 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 come along and with jorah and i'll find out you know whoever it happens Mm. to be but yeah i couldn't i don't know it slipped my mind at least um or they could just be lying i guess he could just be straight up just you know bluffing but um because i don't know how what beats three dragons you know like i and an insolid army. I, I I'm like pretty it. sure, if I remember how this goes, I think they enlist the second sons as the mercenary force with Dario Naharis and stuff. Yeah, that's what the next episode's called. And oh, oh my god, didn't that's it, definitely what they do. Yeah, and didn't it, didn't it start or like with Damon and? Uh, Lord, they, uh, Damon and uh, is it an L? Valerian, the leader yeah, Valerian. of 
whoever's the yeah the leader of House Valerian at the time. Oh my yeah, god! No, they didn't start the Second Sons, but they say that they are the Second Sons of Westeros. Oh okay, like, okay. Oh, that's what it was. Okay. Yeah, we that's were like, whoa, that's a weird connection. Wouldn't that be sick? Or, oh, yeah, yeah, like if it happened to be okay, but but okay. So it, I forgot what the Second Sons even are though in this show. Um, like what? Yeah, they're just a mercenary army. Okay. They're they're an army for hire. And Dario Naharis, who ends up being like Danny's lover for a while. Um, oh, the the three. Oh yes. Oh my god. Okay, no, I I think I do remember this now. And yeah, like, like he they kills have, like, his us. homies and then goes to her. Yeah. And like I'd like to serve you, McQueen. I'm pretty sure yeah, that starts he's... next episode because uh, the original Dario Naharis is only in like two or three episodes, and then they recast him, and he's a different guy in season oh. four or five or whatever. Um, okay. Yeah. Forgot about that guy. Yeah. yeah. Love me some Dario Naharis. So, like, uh, yeah. that's coming up. I think that's next episode that we meet Dario Naharis. Uh, okay. Hell but, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I think those are his powerful friends. Is uh, Okay. Then see. I also have speculation that Tywin Lannister is working with the Wise Masters of Slaver's Bay. Oh. Um, like, he might be the powerful friend who's trying to prevent her from coming across the narrow sea ah as you know joffrey asks later on in the episode what are we doing about that and he's like we're handling it you know like we are doing it we're doing it it's fine don't you i wonder if or if tywin is in on it and he's like yeah let her come over now don't let her dragons grow let her come to westeros now so we can defeat her like now get her I want. I wonder if if that's his play, and that's why he's not telling Joffrey, you know, sort of thing. I didn't. I didn't think about that, but because he can't kill her, he'd have to hire, you know. Yeah. I guess these people, or uh, have to trust that these people in Essos can do the job. And right. I don't know. Maybe maybe that's his play. Is like, yeah, give them all the ships. We'll pay. The crown will pay for it. You know. He's like. Who cares? Yeah, the crown will pay for it. Who cares? You give him your ships or your gold, whatever. We'll pay you back. Just get her to leave now and get her to come to King's Landing. Because right. that she would. Um, if she was, I don't know. Ah, if she was offered all the, she has an army. I guess the Unsullied, not probably as a big of an army as she has, you know, later on. But well, is this the? Does her army? Yeah, her army only grows from now, right until. They're all like the Dothraki. Yeah. She she gains way more Dothraki again, right? Yeah, yeah, she does. Yeah, and then okay, she does eventually unite the entire Colossar. Like yeah. all of the Dothraki That's... eventually yeah. follow. Her. Okay. Um. So yeah, I don't know. Maybe I wonder if she does leave right now. If she actually, if say, um, there were no slaves and this was like already a free city, you know, just so happens to be. I think there's a chance they win anyway. Mm. which is kind of insane um yeah hmm. like the unsullied are just like that you know like that's, that's and and i know those dragons are small but like we saw what they did at astapor yeah i know i mean like and that i don't know that's they might still win that is maybe tywin is actually still like no nah, like keep her over there maybe this is just them being like Fuck it, we don't want we don't want it to happen here, right. you know. Get her, so hmm, maybe it is a back and forth. But yeah, I guess Tywin might have some. He obviously is talking to someone, or there's some connection, right, over in Essos. Um, but hmm, 
Okay. Yeah, that that concludes the series of events in Yunkai. And that takes us to Blackwater Bay. Mm. Wherein, uh, traveling back from the Riverlands, a ship carrying Melisandre and Gendry leaves King's Landing and passes through Blackwater Bay. And Melisandre starts, uh, stares at the broken wrecks of Stannis' fleet and explains to Gendry that this was wildfire that did this. And she's like, uh, you you ever miss your father's house? He's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, like uh, I never knew my father, okay, my lady. Yeah, I guess not really. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, she's so cryptic, you know, always so yeah. cryptic. Um, He's like, well, that's it. Well, that that's the yeah. one right there. Uh, yeah. No, I'm 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 lowborn. My, I don't I don't even. My, you're saying my dad was some sort of lord or something? Yeah. What do you uh, mean? No, well, you're the bastard son of Robert Baratheon, king of the Andals and first men. And uh, that's got to be quite the revelation to come to. Uh, There's power in King's blood. Uh, oh, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, Gendry's just going through a bunch of revelations right now. You know, he last episode, he just gets told, no, you'll make you'll make people cower or, like, bend their knee. I don't know. Like, all these people, they, they're nothing compared to you, you know? And then he's like, okay, sure, but you're still putting me in the back of, like, a wagon and taking me somewhere? And then now he's right. like... Oh, okay. I'm my dad was King Rob. Okay, uh, or not yeah. King King Rob sounds weird. Robert. Um, we got another King, king Rob, Rob is King in the North. We got a, yeah, we got another King Rob. Um, but I don't know. It, and I was thinking uh, whenever she said this, I was like, "There's power in you know King's blood." Um, and I, it's interesting that like Robert, um, like just led a rebellion on his own and overthrew the throne you know and, and there's still power in his blood you know i guess i was wondering if like uh if it is just like if you get to the throne the gods like see you as you know like different you know like sort of thing or if like there is some lineage back from robert's line i don't know of like blood of the first men or some something that's like why that. i think it's kind of um, bullshit um yeah because like if it was all targaryens or something I could understand if it was like a lineage of like right. the king's blood having to come from like a Targaryen line. I could I could see that, but the fact that it's like Robert Baratheon's bastard son's blood can also can like can anyone's blood do this sort of thing? And like they just have to play it up as like they need. I don't know. Um, I mean, it works. I guess yeah, it does. Whether coincidentally or not, it works. And I guess I don't know. They would definitely try without King's blood if they, you know, if if it was eight be if it was able to be done without it, they just would. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. It's it's very interesting of like how Robert's blood. I I don't know. It's and it's just magic and God stuff, anyways. Mm. So like I I'm trying to make sense of it. Um, no, yeah, like, and that's the other thing is that I just have a tough time believing that the gods give that much of a shit about what's going on and maybe the lord of light's a little different um but the idea that the gods are keeping up with who the king is at the time and oh this kid's got king's blood fuck yeah get him up yeah. on the get, get his blood you know like i don't know <laughs> i don't think there's much divinity in it i think it's just superstition um because like i don't know what is house like i'm just trying to think of house baratheon like where no, they yeah, come like from. Robert is the first king of House Baratheon. Like that's but like way back, like going back, back, like to the first 
men, you know, like have... there's first men blood in Stark. Like Stark blood has the blood of the first men and mm. you know, sort of thing. And I wonder if if like Baratheon also, you know, because they go the Starks and Baratheon, is it just Ned in Robert that like were friends, or like do House Stark and House Baratheon actually like go back? I don't know. Um, That's a good question. Cause I know that Robert and Ned were just they both did their uh they both like trained at the Vale. They were like uh, basically adopted into that family and like taught the ways of lordship at the Vale together. So I just assumed that's why they were friends mm-hmm. beyond like uh, an allyship between Starks and Baratheons mm-hmm. going way back. But uh, yeah, man. Regardless, I don't. I don't really. I don't really know one way or the other what to, what it means. Because like, there's also the fact that there were no kings of the seven kingdoms prior to Aegon Targaryen. So Robert Baratheon was the first king of the seven kingdoms who wasn't Targaryen. Um okay, true. And who knows, maybe Aegon just absolutely wiped everyone out so hard that like the history's just gone. Maybe there were kings and it's just like, nah, this dude's the first one cuz nah. <laughs> I-, I wonder like how like how deep they'll get into that lore like with all this stuff like coming out like i don't know we're getting um yeah, we're going further and further back in the timeline yeah. and stuff so i wonder like if it's going to make things i don't know like make it'll change how we see game of thrones you know sort of thing like like if one thing that everyone just believes as true you know um like aegon's conquest i don't know maybe we learn something about it that is like it changes everything. It changes how you see everything. I don't know. Um, and like, I, I don't know what it could be. Obviously. I don't know. It's that's, that's why it's George R. R. Martin, you know, taking the moon. Right, I don't right. think that's what he's doing anyways. I don't know. I think it's just to build, you know, IP and to build the anthology and everything. Um, so, but I don't know. I wonder if like they'll ever dive into that, like all these history details and like, if, one something that everyone just believes is just so wrong and it like changes how you see but i don't know at least of right now the only gods that i'm fucking with is the lord of light and death those are the mm. only two right now in the show that i'm like i'm kind of cool I, maybe death is just the lord of light as well and it's just a little i don't know i feel like there's a little connection there but yeah, we've all, we've long had that speculation about how different all the gods actually are and stuff, and what if it's all the same god, or if the people praying to the seven are actually praying to the Lord of Light and they don't know it, or et cetera, et cetera. There's all sorts of stuff there, but uh, that actually brings us to the god of death down in Hollow Hill at the camp of, for the Brotherhood without banners. Mm. Arya is disillusioned with the Brotherhood for selling Gendry. And, you know, they ask her, they ask about the gods and stuff and what she believes in. And she's like, the Lord of Light is not my god. They ask, who is her god? She says, death. And in the night, she decides this is her opportunity. She's going to escape, run off into the night. And before she can get too far, she is snatched up by the hound who was lying in wait for her, having followed the camp so that he could do this and sell her back to the Starks. Mm -hmm. Initially, I'm like, I was like, that's just kind of lucky and convenient that you ran into Arya Stark, you know, right there. And then I'm like, oh, wait, no, he definitely just, just followed them. And, yeah, just, like, this was his plan. Because, uh, like, obviously, he realizes how important Arya is. 
Um, <laughs> and I'm like, ah. So, it, but I don't know. It's nice to know that this this storyline is starting though. Um, and we're getting the Hound in Arya. I'm up. They're in together for pretty much an entire fucking season, man. Like yeah. it's it's a long time that they they roll with each other. Mm. Yeah. No. I'm I'm ready for it. Just you know, very brief here. You know, it, it is just she's Arya's in the cave. Just yeah, got a death, runs off, and just gets snatched up by the Hound. Was very quick. But nice, just a a nice um, ease in, for the rewatch, you know, ease into the story. Like, uh, hmm. like I, I can't wait just to, to get all that. But no shit, it's crazy. Man, That's just nice. two characters in the show, you know, of 500 others. So. Right. <laughs> but, yeah. Yeah, um, but uh, anywho, en route to the twins in the Riverlands, uh, Rob Stark's army is forced to take camp. And their progress delayed by heavy rain, and Catelyn warns that Lord Walder Frey will take the delay as a deliberate insult to him. And this is where we get my favorite line of the episode, where the Blackfish says, uh, "I've seen wet shits I like more than Walder Frey." Isn't the Blackfish? Isn't Blackfish might be the best character so far? He might. I don't know. Like every time he comes in, he just hits so hard. Like every time. Um, and then the way they look at. <laughs> To Lisa yeah, like, across the room, they're like, I'm sorry, m'lady. Like, I shouldn't, oh, wait a minute. Shouldn't oh, say oh, shit like that. Like, she's like, well, I've been sewing up wounds and bloodied men for two years now. I'm not afraid of wet shits. Dude, yes, this, like, and then, like, the laugh he gives. Like, this, yeah. like, little found, like, family little bit right here. Like, this feels just kind of like his, like, the small council, I guess, you know, like, mm-hmm. Rob's small council. And it just feels like it's such a good group, and it's just so sad, you know, that they couldn't of just prevailed and like just we could have seen this as like the small council and you know mm-hmm. like because these conversations just feel so much more natural and right and uh i don't know but well there's yeah. there's this level to it that's really interesting where like uh i think that the blackfish likes talisa and rob together a lot more than anyone else mostly because he hates walter Frey, like you said here like uh i i've seen wet shits that i like more than walter Frey, and uh the way he, he belly laughs a little bit. Edmure resents Rob. Um, and Catelyn resents Talisa for having fucked any chance this of there. Yeah. And she, guess... she doesn't she doesn't actively dislike her, you know? It's not like she's like she's a bad woman and I don't I don't trust her and I don't like her. She's just she knows that something's gonna yeah. come back to bite them in the ass because Rob mm-hmm. married this girl. And uh yeah, and I don't know why I said found family earlier. It's just they like are a family, actual family. I'm just so in like the Star Wars mind. No, mind yeah, that, I completely yeah. understand. Um, I didn't even think of that. They are actual yeah. family. Yeah, I just it hit me. I'm like, oh wait a minute, that's like his uncle and his uh like and like his uncle, mom, his, his uncle, his, his great uncle, his mom. Yeah, like, so like literally his family. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, no, this I don't know. They're, they 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 just. Obviously, they're a family, so they work well together. I don't know. It, it just they butt heads, you know, and there is conflict. Um, it's but just it's so much more natural than a lot. Much of the better others. than yeah, like a small council meeting at at King's Landing. You know, seeing one of those go down—that's nothing. It's like also this. pretty hilarious to me that Rob and Talisa, pretty much the entire scene, are like two seconds away from making out with each other in front of everybody. Yeah, he's like, like holding walking. his chest and he's holding her hips, and they're just like standing there yeah. talking to everybody. And I'm like. I don't know, man. Yeah, How about some like, decorum? Yeah, you know, I, mean, I love like, those. Okay. But... I yeah, I, I get it and all. And then like everyone's like, "All right, we're leaving." And then before, before they're out the door, bro. Man, I know. It's like I guess you want. I don't know. Like 
if you never show people, I I I, I don't know. I, I was trying to think like, like it, are they just doing it because like they just want people to see their king and queen actually like no, going, they want each other that bad? It's just, bro. Yeah, I I think think it's just, yeah, no, nah, that's just they're just like that. No, mm-hmm. yeah, and I I respect the shit out of it. You know, I love it, but. uh yeah, it's just uh, it was just hilarious to me because yeah. like they're not oh, even yeah. out of the room and they start making out. Catelyn yeah. like takes a look back and like shakes her head and stuff, and then like, yeah, like and... all right, all right, I'll leave. Like, damn, yeah. all right, I get it. You yeah. just want to fuck, yeah. and and I don't know, and Rob. Like, you know, how am I supposed to plan a war when you're over there looking like oh, that? Man. You know, like all the lines that he gives there. It's like, no, nah, this. This that was is... a little flirtatious and playful, though. I like, and that's one of those moments oh, yeah. where I really like. This is my favorite scene. Yeah, no, absolutely, it's, without a doubt. I think performance and scene—you can't really go with anything. Like, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I couldn't. The post-coital <laughs> activities <laughs> yeah. of Rob and I like, uh, I like how you named it there. Yeah, the yeah. <laughs> post-coital, thats wow, post-coital, post-coital. That's a little, I don't know, an unexpected tongue twister there. Yeah, sneaks um, up on you. But yeah, no, they're. Uh, I just loved everything about this scene, you know, the fact that he goes over there to plan his war and she gets she goes to try and write a letter to her mother and uh the questions he asks about, you know, uh does she know you're a queen, you know, will she mm. be surprised to hear that information and she's like many surprises I suspect uh coming for her um and, bum 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 your daughter's and one dead. Free, for your you, child. Yeah, and one well, I guess uh, also that like there's a baby up in there and a yeah. surprise for you right now too rob um yeah. and it was so like i don't know so sad just to see her be like are you upset with me you know like that's the first thing like she said mm. not She's that like, she couldn't like enjoy like she was afraid to tell him you know the whole time i don't like i i'm intrigued or, by the choices they made with the direction for richard madden's acting here um because he absolutely appears angry to me for like half a second. Really? Oh. I can see why she thought that mm. for like the the first second before he says, no, of course not. You know, like, uh, like he's extremely happy with the news, but there's just this interesting ambiguity about Rob's performance where huh. I think there's like on the, on the base level, he's absolutely happy that he's going to have a little prince or princess with the woman that he loves there's also this natural next step where it's like, we are in the middle of fighting a war. Like this is dangerous I guess, for, huh, I for took you, it, for yeah. me, for everybody involved. This is like, there's this, uh, it's not necessarily that he's, he is mad by any means. I don't think he is at all. I think it's just that like, we see all these things hit him at once and it kind of results in this ambiguity in Richard Madden's performance where it's I, like, oh. you, Okay, I don't. I don't know. I guess I, I was trying to to find it and pull it up, but I, I don't. I took it a, like way differently because I thought it because she says like it's very cryptic in the way that she says like um like yeah she doesn't know that uh, I'm a queen whatever and also she doesn't know that she'll have a granddaughter you know like she says it like mm-hmm. very cryptically and not like we're having a baby so like right. I think it I thought it was just Rob like being confused at first being like oh wait a minute are is that are you really saying that right now like is that is that like mm. do you is that like is this is this what's happening you know is this like is this right. real sort of thing because like um i don't know because i t- i guess i took it as more of like um 
I'm confused and like, oh, wait, this is what she's saying. And and like, oh, no, of course I'm not mad. No, I love you. Like, no, like I'm very happy. Like, no, 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 don't take it like that. That's that's kind of what, what no, I No, and I, I 100 – like I'm with you 100% there as well. Even even so, knowing the... the context of what the scene means and that he is happy about it, I still think there's a very specific choice because we've seen Richard Madden as Rob light up and be happy and smile ear to ear. He gets like so intense and I know it's like really serious, like it's a big moment and stuff. Uh, and he, he's trying to assure her how much he means what he's saying. But it it was just an interesting choice with the way that they they I'm assuming this is a directorial choice like mm-hmm. the way and it's not I I don't think it's bad or good or one way or the other I think it just produced a lot more uh, thought in my head for what they were what they were doing here. Um, oh no, yeah, you're kind of right. He does stand up. He says like like what now? Kind of in surprise, but then he says like Are you certain? Yeah, you know, like kind of a little. I see. I see it now. Yeah, like, at first it's surprise and, like, happy at first. And then he stands up and he does kind of, yeah, are you certain? Yeah, that is a little, I see that now. And then she immediately asks, are you angry with me? And then He's like, no. And then he, like, gets in her face and he, like, he's tearing up. It's, like, very clear that he's happy, but, like, he doesn't smile. He kind of says it through gritted teeth. And it's like, huh, just an interesting way to handle it. It's not that... It's not that I don't believe him by any means. I 100% do. I just think it's more conflicting than just happiness. I think there is a layer uh-huh. to it that he's like, hmm. I'm going to bring a child into this world sort of thing in the state that it's in. This is this is not an optimal time for a child to be born. Oh. I would prefer that the war ended and we were back in Winterfell and everything was happy. But instead, we will likely still be I at war see. when this child is born and like a. So there's just a there's just a lot of back and forth there I think going on within him at that time, even though I I have no doubt he's 100 percent happy about it. Yeah, because he immediately does say like, uh, Talisa says something like, you know, you, I'll have your little prince or princess inside of me, and then he immediately says like, maybe one of each, you know, and yeah, smiles and laughs, and then immediately very starts clearly excited. Yeah, like, like, yeah. So I, I definitely see the back and forth though of him like. Uh, this baby's going to complicate things even further if it's known. And then like, I'm in the war and I don't want a baby to be born right now. And like, so I, I, I see that now. Yeah, It's not necessarily that he doesn't want a child. It's that mm-hmm. like, this is not the most optimal time he would have yeah. liked to have had a child. Okay. Uh, yeah. And that's, wow. that's all, that's all that I think it was. And I think it was just, I think it enhanced the scene like crazy. It made yeah. like that whole scene made me cry. Not because, well, yeah. A, because it was already like a really sweet, happy scene. I'm pretty sure the first time I watched it, I cried because I was so happy for them. Now I look back on it and I'm absolutely fucking devastated. Yeah. By this the promise to leave, to go to Volantis. That was right. Mm. Yeah. Like she says, like, promise me, like, or, or would you go to Volantis with me? And he's just like, yes, like immediately. I promise. I promise. Like, oh, I, of course I, I'm going to meet you know, your family and, and like every other time that we've had a character ask that, like, Hey, do we just want to leave? Um, this episode, we even get it with Tyrion and Shay. Um, Mm. I'm, but I'm Tyrion Lannister. What am I supposed to do? And then you get it with Rhaenyra and, oh, incel fucking Kristen. Yeah. Fuck. Um, get it with, yeah, get it with, thank God she said no, actually. Right. Um, but like even her, she was like, what am I supposed to do? I'm Rhaenyra, you know? Um, so like 
it we get it a little bit with john and egret you know john doesn't necessarily say like he doesn't commit to one side or the other you know Tyrion goes i can't do that rob's Mm. like fuck yeah let's do this and john's got this like okay yeah we'll see about him we'll die yeah he's like oh we yes we will die that is the thing like we'll live sure for now but like that was another great line almost went with that for my line Mm. uh i forgot to mention that earlier the you know we we will fight we will die but Mm. we'll do that together basically and uh it's like we will i'm like okay 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 Mm. but uh yeah, there's a there's a lot of great connections going on right now uh, in this show. Just the relationships. It's the and next up at Harrenhal with Jamie and Brienne uh, speaking one last oh, time yeah. before he leaves. And he remarks that he owes Brienne a great debt for both keeping him alive on their journey and for giving him a reason to live uh, from his suicidal depression after losing his hand. And uh, Brienne tells Jamie to repay him by uh, repay her by keeping his pledge and jamie promises that he will return catelyn stark's daughters to her Mm. um and i think he had every intention of actually doing that yeah um no and like the uh i don't know this them their whole storyline is just amazing. And then Jamie, like the my favorite line of the episode actually comes from this scene. I almost wanted just to give it my scene, but hmm. I've been I've been favoring Jamie and Brienne a whole right. lot. Um they've gotten their flowers, but I'll give it the line. Um is because whenever Jamie leaves and like he actually they're leaving heading out the door, Jay or Brienne says goodbye, Sir Jamie. Um and that's probably the first time Jamie has been called right. by his prop you know sir jamie like by his knight name you know by another knight um and i don't know it was just you saw jamie like it just step back and be like whoa like that was i haven't heard that in a long time and and he he couldn't even get like goodbye out himself you know he just left without saying a word um just kind of like a han solo i know kind of moment you know a little bit but um I don't know. I just I love the the fact that Brienne is kind of the first one to call him Jamie again. And, you know, and obviously Cersei calls him Jamie. And you know, that's probably why he's taken back by it is that the only person that calls him Jamie is Cersei. Um and probably I guess Tyrion. Um but um I guess his family. Um mm. I don't know. It was just really nice coming from Brienne um and just seeing like his reaction from it. Uh, was was really cute, so that's why I kind of I don't know, given the nod to the scene somehow through the line. No, I love that. I love that because there's also this really cool moment where Jamie's also not experienced this kind of trust in a really long time. Mm. She she believes that if he says he will return Catelyn Stark's daughter, she believes him. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think he knows she believes him and it feels good in a way he's unfamiliar with. Everyone thinks he's un- dishonorable. He's he's the knight. Who, he's the vow breaker, the oath, the oath breaker. Uh, but he's the one who goes ahead and does what needs to be done. And uh, and I think that he finally he finally has someone who sees him for what he could be instead of who he's been. And I think he he likes the idea of what he could be in the eyes of Brienne and stuff. So that's mm-hmm. yeah, a great, 
great little scene there. But uh, the next day, after when Jamie leaves Heron Hall in the company of Kyburn, uh, who is to accompany Jamie to continue treating his arm in the hopes that uh, he could be getting his maester's chain restored through the influence of Tywin. And Jamie jokes that his father will make Kyburn Grand Maester if he grows Jamie a new hand. And uh, a number of Bolton soldiers under the uh, command of Steelshanks are there with him. One of the Lord Bolton's captains, Lord Roos Bolton, who is also about to depart Heron Hall for the twins. Under orders from Rob Stark. Yeah, so. Roos Bolton's about to head to the wedding. So thank fucking God for that, huh? Um, uh, yeah, that's... Oh no, and it, this was a... Uh... Like Kyburn, um, I thought that that somehow he stayed there, and Jamie like uh, convinced them to like take him with him somehow. But I just I don't know. It was just kind of he had to to take care of him, and that's just how it happened. Yeah. Um, but I really loved like my. I almost gave another line and scene to like not really scene. I don't know. It's not really that great of a scene, but just a, a very interesting conversation between Jamie and Kyburn. Hmm. Um. And uh, the line I almost gave was uh, when Jamie was like uh, five hundred, yeah, half. Well, it was a half a million. He yeah. did, yeah, he did say that. You know, the population of King's Landing, um, and like he's, I don't know. You can see that he's he's getting like a little bit more open about like telling people about like yeah, he's, he's like he's you not, know what? He, fuck this, I'm done, yeah. I'm done yeah. with this shit, man. It's like he's not telling him the whole story. Obviously, you know, he's not telling him everything that happened, but he's like, yeah, no, I did. I did do that. You know, like I did. Yeah, I did save the entire city. Um, yeah. How many how many men have you killed? Ten. Fifty. One hundred. And he and Jamie all the while being like, uh, I don't know. Countless. He goes, that countless has a nice, has a nice to ring to it. I'm like, <laughs> oh, man, how many have you saved? Kyburn expects it to be zero. And he's like mm-hmm. half a million. Yep. Yeah. yeah, you could tell Kyburn that was like his mic drop moment. You know, yeah. he was like, he was like, yeah, I've killed some in in my research, whatever, but I've saved so many people through it. So mm. whenever, whenever you tell me that you've saved zero people and killed all, like here, like yeah, my mic drop. Yeah. Um, but no, Jamie, I don't know. I I wonder if uh, like does does he ever get the full story? I mean, I guess if they're they're on the way to King's Land, you know, that's that's a trip. Maybe he just tells them, you know, over. <laughs> Off, off, off camera. I don't know if we do get it on on camera at all. But I, I, I swear, I, I feel like I don't remember Jamie going down that route at all. Like being like, no, I did. Like I am. Like all of your Kingslayer and all this stuff is just whatever. You know. Like I don't. I never remember him going on like a true redemption. You know, or mm-hmm. trying to be like, no, this is actually how like what happened. Um, I don't know. I guess I just kind of forget forgot what happens with him i just remember like at the end like i remember like now and like what's happening and then i just remember he gets crushed with cersei at the end and he gets yeah. a gold hand like that's that's like i don't know i don't remember like a whole lot um got a pretty compelling story here before long and uh mm. really complicated one there's a big moment in the middle of this in the middle of his redemption journey that sets him back like crazy in my eyes um mm. and that won't be till season four but because right now i'm like oh man jamie's on the up and up he's feeling like he's turning a corner um and we'll get there but there's just a there's just a really jarringly 
Oh, I don't know if I can ever forgive you for this, man. And um, I forgot. Okay, dang. Yeah, I'm forgetting whatever that is. So that'll be. Yeah, that'll no, be it's bad. It's real bad. Um, but Jamie then asks about Brienne, and Kyburn confirms that they sent a raven to her father, Lord Selwyn Tarth, and he offered three hundred gold dragons for his daughter's safe return. But Locke refused because he feels he's being cheated, as he is under the impression that there is a sapphire mine. Uh, he owns every sapphire mine in Westeros. And you, J- the way Jamie like puts his head down and is like, fuck. He's like, ah, oh, that really bit me in the ass, like, huh? He's like, ah. Oh. He was like really hoping. He's like, yeah. And the offer was accepted and she's okay. He's like, that's what he was hoping to hear. And he's like, oh man, now I have to go back and get her. And then he's like, oh wait, but now it's my fault too. Kind of. And it's like, ah, oh, dang. I'm mean, not his fault, but, uh, I don't know. A little bit. I a guess. little bit. I mean, like, a that's why bit. she's not getting sent back. Like, saved her from sexual assault might yeah. might have fucked her in the long run for potentially just staying with them, which is no good when he's he's not there, you know? So, like... Uh, but what a, anywho, just a fucked uh, up world to have to, like, deal with that, like... Yeah. Wow, that one lie like saved saved her, yeah, from a sexual assault, which is like, ah, oh, like yes, that in the in the real world you'd be like, Yeah, if a lie would save someone from a sexual assault, like, yes, lie, all all that you want, you know, if if that's mm-hmm. what happens. But now it's like, oh well, it could have got gotten her killed as well against a bear right. in a pit. So it's like, well, you know, maybe I don't know. <laughs> so the world is just so fucked. Um Yeah, yeah, it's no good. But uh he approaches one of the uh one of the Bolton's men to uh take him back to Heron Hall and he refuses and Jamie's like, "Well, you know, we're going to see my father. He's going to ask what happened to my hand, and I can tell him this man cut it off, or I can tell him this man saved my life. Now will you take me back to Heron Hall?" And he's like, "Yeah, fucking yeah, shit, I guess." All right, fuck. Um <laughs> and upon arriving there, Jamie is shocked and furious to find Locke and his cronies have thrown Brienne into a bear pit. Facing an angry bear with only a wooden sword to defend defend herself, uh, Locke justifying it as this is their only bear. Um. <laughs> Thank you. Wow, I don't, just what a shitty dude. What a shitty house. Uh, they're all singing you know? the bear, like, the bear, and the maiden fair. Uh, oh, she's already got like one scratch on her neck. You know, yeah, so, like, dude. She, you, gnarly. You like, I want like an action figure of Brienne holding the wooden sword Ooh. with like the claw marks on her neck from this pink dress. Like it's like a, it's like a hard, like mm. badass looking ensemble. She's got going on, like kind of like a, uh, you know, in like a horror movie, how there's like the final, the final girl, the one who survives it all and ends up being a badass. Yeah. That's what kind of feels like Brienne's. Okay. This is like a Brienne final girl moment. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, you could tell she's, she was actually putting up a fight before, you know, she was already fighting the bear before Jamie pulled up, you know, and like mm-hmm. they, so she was actively put up, you know, she was putting up a fight. I'd say if I'm in a pit with the, with that bear, I'm, I can't fight the thing. I'm running away mm. from it to hopefully it just tires itself out. And then I and the way Locke is like, oh, enough oh. with this shit, quit running, you know, <laughs> like, what the fuck? You it's threw me in a pit with a bear. bear. It's a bear. And I have know? a wooden sword. You want me to fight? Give me an actual blade. Jesus. Yeah, that, that's, I don't know nuts but ah just uh jamie's like no can't have that you know he's like uh i'm too important you know i i I don't know if it was they knew that they would try to kill the bear if he jumped down in there or if it was just i have to go and try. i don't think he thought about that yeah he's like i have to do something he's like i'll help 
Um, yeah. I don't think he thought about all that. I think he just went ahead and jumped on it in the bear pit, uh, went full Ron Burgundy chasing after Veronica Corningstone. Oh, I immediately regret this decision. Uh, yeah, because, yeah, he he did realize the situation he was in. He's like, just get behind me. And he's like, oh, wait, this is. Oh, fuck. And I, I love the way she's like, no. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, get behind me. And she goes, no, like, I will not be doing that. Uh, but uh, before the bear can harm either of them, Steel Shanks, the Bolton men, uh, shoots it with a crossbow. And Locke's like, what the fuck, dude? And he's like, I got to get Jamie back alive, man. I can't have him killed in a bear pit. Uh, this is this is my job. And uh, Locke tries to stop them from leaving. But Jamie angrily tells them that uh, Lord Bolton cares more about getting him back to King's Landing alive than keeping one of his pet thugs happy. And uh, <laughs> backed up by a few of his men. Locke is unable to stop him. And Jamie then departs Heron Hall with his escort and Brienne in tow. Sorry about the sapphires, you know, he said, or something like that. Yeah. Like his last line that he's like, he's like, all right, now I won. Let me, let me get my mic drop moment before I walk out, you know, and um, fuck you, Locke. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's like Jamie's on the rise right now. I, I, I'm blanking on whatever he does that's unforgivable. I, I, I don't know. It'll it'll come back eventually. Probably I don't know. Maybe until the episode. Who knows? But uh, there's a bunch of dudes throughout this show who just like end up at the Night's Watch. Locke is one of those dudes. Don't remember why. Don't remember how. Uh, but he ends up in the Night's Watch, and uh, I'm pretty sure he dies. Uh, brutally. Maybe he. Maybe he was just like fuck i really kind of fucked up here he's like i chopped off jamie's hand i thought it was going to be a good moment when i came back and they were going to herald you know look at me as a hero and then now everyone's just now i didn't even get brienne my pride there's a really good chance that tywin goes ahead and says that Locke needs to be sent to the wall or die for chopping off jamie's hand yeah um (laughs) or he just i I hope it's more of just he decides it on his own he's like i can't live here anymore i'm too embarrassed right. i'm gonna go to the wall that's the only place i can yeah, I, I can't remember now. i can't remember what happens there but i know he ends up being a nice right. watchman yeah he does that... uh, huh and i know he dies in some brutal fashion which is oh i think i remembered how he died i can't remember for sure but i think i remembered or when like Bran wargs into Hodor and goes absolutely apeshit on a bunch of dudes. Pretty sure Locke is one of those guys. Oh, I can't. The Hodor counter? Are we going to have to add a Hodor kill counter? (laughs) Oh my god. Okay, yeah. I can't wait to get to that. Um, I'm pretty sure he like rips a dude's head from his shoulder at one point, and I think that might be Locke. I can't remember. Um, Hmm. But nevertheless, uh, we are now in King's Landing, where neither Sansa or Tyrion are particularly happy about their impending marriage, and Marjorie Tyrell is attempting to console Sansa, reminding her that Tyrion is far from the worst Lannister, and that Tyrion might even be able to make her happy, uh, given that there are stories about Tyrion's capabilities as a lover, Uh, and... uh, all the meanwhile, Braun is pointing out to Tyrion that he can easily wed Sansa and get a son and heir from her to placate his father and keep having sex with Shay in private. There should be no problem here. Uh, thereby getting two women and king and a kingdom to rule for himself. And man, Tyrion- another another line almost like just Braun. Braun is just a treasure in this show. You know, like when it, oh man, I 
I should have wrote it down because it wasn't going to be my selection. But like, um, whenever Taryn was like, "Man, you know, I pay you to to blah blah blah, and not not the not to put these evil thoughts in my head or whatever." And then Bron just goes, picks up some wine, you know, that he's just going to fill up his wine, and he's like, "Yeah, no, I you pay me to to kill people, you know, all these evil thoughts I put in your head, those, those come free." Um, <laughs> and he's just like, "Yeah, this, this is just what I do. Um, that's just who I am." And I don't know. Braun is just Braun never changes, you know. He's he's always Braun. Even when he gets his castle still, I don't know, I feel like he's he's still Braun. You know, he's a little more dolled up, I guess, you know, and he's got some nicer clothes on, you know, he's not still about his, the hustle. But you know? yeah, he's still Braun. Uh, yeah, through he is. Through. Um, um <laughs> But yeah, this little back and forth they did with Marjorie and Tyrion the Marjorie and Sansa, uh, Tyrion and yeah. Braun was really compelling. I love the way that like Sansa, like she's still so this is the this is the moment that like I forgot it was just like one one line has really stuck with me for like years uh for Sansa's character. You I'm a stupid little girl with stupid I ideas know. and like uh dude, stupid. I love that was that was good. Whenever I came, love like, it, but uh, it it just continued to show how innocent she was. You know, whenever she was like, "Did your mother? Did your mom teach you that?" Mm-hmm. And Marjorie's like, she like looks up and is like, "Oh dear, yeah, yeah sure, my mom taught me that." Uh, I was like, Ooh. "Oh no, she is just a she is a little girl." You know, like that is a young, young, young girl, and Tyrion has the same concerns. You know. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, she's yeah. very young, and Bron's like, uh, "Was the what's the youngest you've had?" And he's like, "Not older. that young, yeah, not that young. How much older? Older, older. yeah, like uh, it's just." Uh, but yeah. uh, nevertheless, I guess Tyrion... another female director. You know, I'm I'm yeah. still I'm, I'm a, yeah, I handled pretty much every sex thing in here very, very, very well, very yeah, tastefully. Very, but yeah. Uh, oh yeah, Michelle McLaren, I, I'm gonna remember that. Yeah. So I, Tyrion is you. a bit concerned his mistress isn't going to be so willing to go along with the plan as it has been laid and is uh, less than enthusiastic about having a wife, a mistress, and the entire North despising him. And Bronn points out, Tyrion's wasting his time trying to be loved by everybody. Uh, no no <laughs> sense in doing that. And Tyrion fears, right. uh, Tyrion's Most... fears prove accurate as Shay bluntly tells him that she will no longer sleep with him after he weds Sansa. Yeah, this, I don't know. And another thing, like we were talking about how, you know, the chemistry between uh, John and Egret is so just natural and, and feeling it. And then, like, you have that step down from Rob and Talisa. There's, I don't know, there's just, this is an argument, so obviously there's not going to be, like, chemistry. But you can still tell, like, chemistry in a couple with an argument still. Chemistry and arguments, yeah. for and sure. Just, I don't know, I, I don't it was just, it is just a fuck situation, you know, and I, I, I'm on, like, Shay, yeah, like, I don't know, like, Taryn's even like, yeah, I'll buy you a house, you know, and, and, and our kids can live there, and she's like, you think I want children that will be killed instantly if they're found out about, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, and like, he, you know, it's just, he's trying, like, he's trying his best like, just to damn, be like, no, that's not, ah, fuck, uh, yeah, the whole, it's like, oh, yeah, it's like, <laughs> Like ooh, this was just this was this was just hard, you know. It was just rough. It was just just a fuck situation. Like yeah, I don't know, just the world they live in. And you know, he Shay was like, we could just leave, you know, let's go. 
and Tyrion still, I don't know, hold, hold, holding on to... He's like, I'm nice. a Lannister of Casterly Rock. Like, I have to take... And that's that's bullshit. He just has to be in the game. Yeah. He's like, I got... I'm doing what yeah. I love right now. That's just a lie. He's like, what am I going to juggle? What am I going to... What am I going to do? He's like, you could... You have enough gold to just steal from your family and go and to live forever. You know, like, mm-hmm. you don't need a job or need to do anything over there. Um, and but yeah. God knows Tywin would be happy to send him off. Um, True. Yeah. Um, but, anywho. Meanwhile, Tywin Lannister uh, enters the throne room to ooh. answer a summons from King Joffrey. And this was very, very nearly my favorite scene of the episode as well. After exchanging some false courtesy, Tywin asks why his grandson wished to see him. And Joffrey wants an update on what the small council has been doing. And Tywin's like, well, you are more than welcome to attend the small council. Um, should should he desire it? And uh, he's like, I have many things to attend to. You know, a king is very busy. And what Tywin, has he been yeah. doing? He's like, been murdering prostitutes in his in his bedroom, you know. Like that's, um, that's all we've actually seen him do is talk to Marjorie and look in a mirror. And stand with her in there, and no, then yeah. kill it's, Roz. It's very clear that he is not doing shit. Uh, Tywin, yeah. in fact, Tywin is always doing stuff. Yeah, Tywin's the one who is doing things. Um, okay, and uh, Tywin is doing the stuff that the king should be doing, so he knows for a fact that the king isn't doing anything. That's why, you know yeah, because saying? Charles Dance, he, he he smiles, you know, right mm-hmm. whenever he's like, "I've been attending to my kingly duties." He's like, "Mm-hmm, yes, you have been." Like. Yep, and uh, right. Um. <laughs> Joffrey notes that he's moved it from the uh, the small council tower to the Tower of the Hand, uh, and he's like, "Yeah, I did that to save time. I'm also a very busy man, and all the time I could be working would be wasted going to going somewhere else." And uh, Joffrey then complains that he would have to climb too many steps should he wish to sit in a sit on a small council meeting. And in that moment, Tywin decides to climb his steps straight up to the throne. <laughs> And stands next to him, silently glares down at Joffrey, and then sardonically says, "He could arrange to have him carried." Mm. Yeah, um, and, and I uh, guess I was, I was, I guess I, I never thought about how the castle was laid out here, but I guess I thought that the throne room would have been like you got to climb a lot of steps to get up there, um, and that that would be like up high, like the small council room would be higher up than the the. The hand, the hand tower, or whatever he called it. Tower, um, of but the I, hand. yeah, but I guess you got a the tower of the hand. I guess that makes sense. You know, that's what the skinny, tall towers are. You know, each up there. But like the throne room is massive and huge. It's like the actual big part of the castle. Yeah, I and guess, you, know, you know, I'd be. There's also this thing later on in the show, like the small council chamber. I'm pretty sure is right there. Yeah, like, it's like right behind the throne room, right? Yeah. Like literally, it's like yeah, you just walk kind of right behind it, and I don't know, maybe like pretty sure, yeah, um, it's like because right... they just kind of like leave the room not through the main entrance or exit whenever they go to the small yeah. council. Um, and there's also the fact that whenever Cersei is queen later on, her bedroom is like on the other side of this wall. Um, oh. so like there is the there is the possibility that the king's chambers is literally right next to the throne room, which is why it's not a trek to get there. Um, I see. Yeah, that makes sense. That would make sense for 
for Robert as well. Maybe like um, that wasn't a thing, and like the room behind there actually was like I don't know. Maybe like when it, the Targaryens were there, it was more of like that's where they kept their dragons, skulls, and stuff like that. But Robert was like, "Fuck, I don't want to walk all the way down there if I have to go to a meeting. Put that room right behind there, and put my bedroom right behind that." Yeah, room. right. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, that's, know, that, that's what's interesting about like this whole like this entire setup, you know, like uh, the way Tywin has changed it to where they are meeting in the Tower of the Hand is an automatic sign that he is the one ruling because oh, yeah. it all has been previously laid out so the king is convenienced mm-hmm. now Tywin's the one being convenienced and he is in Joffrey's taking note of that but there's absolutely nothing he can do about it uh, as as Tywin climbs the stairs he sinks into his throne a little bit and uh, a disconcerted Joffrey changes the subject after that to Daenerys Targaryen and Tywin is surprised that Joffrey even knows about this at all and Tywin admits that the uh, reports are apparently true, that the last Targaryen is not only alive, but has successfully hatched the first live dragons the world has seen in a while. Sad, but maybe true. Does he know through Roz? Like, and then through Littlefinger? You know, like, how would he know? Like, did, like, when he killed Roz, was he just trying to get all the information that she knew? Like, where are you a Littlefinger? You know, like, did he know? Like, did Littlefinger, like, let him know that like this you know she was she wronged me she was a spy you know or whatever like so i don't know and then like no i mean i I think there's a distinct possibility that doesn't even need to go that deep i think that he's the king and if he asks Littlefinger about stuff that's happening around the world okay that's fair Littlefinger has no reason not to tell him you know like he's got to tell him something um so So, i I mean i just I just don't think he's talked to any, like, I, I don't know. I think that he's, he's only been just in his room. And Yeah, I think the him. only people he could have talked to about this is probably Littlefinger. Uh, I don't see. even know who else would be in the know on that besides Varys, who I don't think is counseling Joffrey directly a lot. Um, seems like he's taken more a liking to Littlefinger than Varys. Um yeah, I don't know. That's an interesting. I didn't even think about that, like how Joffrey would have known. I've just, I, I would just have to assume it'd be, it's just it'd be Littlefinger. And, yeah, he just, if anyone, I guess anyone, there's a lot of people who do know that are on the, you know, mm. that we do know, do know. <laughs> so if he asks one of them, it makes sense. You know, if, if he just walks by Varys, hey, Varys, what's going on? Well, you know, I don't. I guess, how does that even be brought up, though? How does he even ask to know about that? You know, like, how does he even ask that question in the first place? Yeah. Um, Maybe just uh, any any threats, mm. you know? Who do I have to worry about sort of thing, maybe? Fair. I guess, he, yeah, Joffrey just being like, what? You know, any anyone want Anything to new? storm the castle again? Yeah, yeah, okay, I see. Um, yeah, I don't know. That's a good question, though. But uh, Joffrey is uh, puzzled at why Tywin doesn't think they should do anything about her. But Tywin reminds Joffrey that the last Targaryen dragons were stunted creatures who weren't a threat to anyone. And Daenerys's are probably just curiosities at best, not weapons of war. And moreover, Tywin says that even if Daenerys's dragons do turn out to be as strong as the dragons of centuries old, uh, they are on the far side of the world and no threat to Joffrey's rule. Okay. Tywin also, yeah. 
So definitely not what we were saying earlier of Tywin giving him the ships and wanting him to come over now. Um, yeah, no. Because, yeah, she, he, he likes that they are far away right now, yeah. I guess. Because, so, um, yeah, is it to cross the Narrow Sea like and bring an entire army over? That's like, has that ever been? Well, I guess the, the Iron Bank delivered their army over there. So it's not like unheard of for an army to actually sail across no, the Narrow Sea. No. Um, but I guess he just didn't think that she'd get the capabilities of doing so, I guess. Um, but, hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I think there's a degree of hubris with Tywin as well. I think he's dismissive of her as a queen. Yeah. And, Um, like, Joffrey here, you know, we hate him, obviously, but, like, he's right here, actually. He's like, well, I think this is an actual, like, a pretty big problem here. Like, we should not tread lightly here. You know, like, this is, I don't know, we gotta... And I agree, but I think Tywin knows that too and is just trying to be like, Joffrey, you shouldn't worry about this sort of stuff. You would handle it incorrectly, and I know what needs to be done. Yeah. Uh, I think I think I think Tywin one hundred percent recognizes that there is in a there is an amassing force. He knows the unsullied are under Daenerys' rule, which is an automatic eight thousand, mm-hmm. I think, or something like that in her favor. So she's still got a small army, but an army nonetheless of some of the best soldiers in the world. Um, he knows she has three dragons, which he is dismissing as curiosities to, to Joffrey right now. But I think I think that's the game he's playing. Like I think he's like yeah. downplaying it to Joffrey, so Joffrey yeah. doesn't do anything on his own and yeah. keep his status as yeah. the king as well. Yeah, yeah like. Because whenever he climbs the steps, he gets above him, looks down. Mm-hmm. Joffrey's very you're, – you're right. He is very slouched in his chair and very, yeah. like, defensive. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, I think it's is. just Tywin's trying his best to make sure Joffrey doesn't do anything fucking stupid. Um, Tywin's got his hands in a lot of baskets. He's fighting the war. He's doing all this. I think he's like, if you go and fuck something up on the Targaryen side of things – I just can't handle that right now. So, like, I'm going to go ahead and deal with that yeah, as I deal with it. That's and, too important yeah. to fuck up. So, yeah, like, you can't, we can't fuck up there. Um, yeah, okay, and then I, I loved the little exchange here where Tywin warns his grandson that he should heed his advisor's counsel on matters he does not comprehend. And Joffrey's like, well, I haven't been counseled on anything. Tywin says, you are being counseled at this very moment. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah, and Joffrey just kind of like, okay, all right. And before uh, maybe taking, I his don't leave, like this sort of counsel. Maybe I do just like doing my kingly things. Yeah, and by right. kingly things, just killing people. Yeah. Um, so yeah, maybe yeah, I, I see why he just sticks to that. Um, it's because the first counsel he had, he was like, "Fuck that." Um, I didn't like that. Nope. Because um, <laughs> uh, and also, I mean, I guess. It wasn't really just counseling. It was also like a schooling as well, like to put him down and like to put like put him in his place. So like it wasn't it wasn't counsel that counsel like would normally come. Like if if Varys was talking to him, Varys would not be talking to Joffrey like this. Like no, he would be no. like, Tywin's yeah, the so, only one who can do yeah. that. Um, and and I love like it's it's a follow through on the line of um, Cersei. Like you trying you try to get to control him or trying to take away or something that he likes, and then he's like. I will, you know, he's, he says like, you know, I, I will do that. I will control this kid. And then he, he goes up there, he walks up to the throne itself and 
and he does it. Um, and I don't know. I Charles Dance just always always yeah. filling the role though. Um, yeah, he fills the role so well. Um, but yeah, and, that uh, that concludes the episode for us, and we uh, we're left with nothing but a rating, if I do believe so myself. That would be it. Mm-hmm. This is a solid episode. I will say that I think that uh, I don't think it was quite as strong as the last few episodes. Um, mm-hmm. There were some gorgeous visuals and uh, some great story beats and stuff, but uh, I don't know. Just didn't feel quite as complete as other episodes have in previous and the last last few episodes. Uh, mm-hmm. Enjoyment wise, I'm still high high as hell on it like nine at minimum i'd say that's kind of where i was yeah that was that's what we gave episode five um and episode two of the season so it's like it's just just it felt just kind of like another episode from the season and i'm i'm enjoying every scene you know it's i'm the enjoyment of the bear and the maiden fair i know i'm gonna get brienne and jamie and in the bear scene and i'm i'm waiting for that to happen but then everything else coming in between was good and i'm not hating it you know so uh but yeah, I think I'm I'm at a nine there too for enjoyment. Um, I don't know. I guess critical or, or genre again. Probably just uh, go ahead and and keep that there. Um, yeah, that's remaining the same for sure. Because you even got you know the dragon. You know the dragons. I wanted to ask um, if the dragons looked a little. Could you tell that this was ten years ago? Yeah, um, for sure. Okay. No, they, uh, this is a this hasn't aged particularly well, um, <laughs> as far as visual effects is concerned, yeah. and which is interesting because in previous episodes they've looked really, really good. That's I think it was I just the, uh, yeah. I think it was just the setting in which they were in. They weren't moving yeah. a lot. They were just sitting there, and they're a little bigger. They're kind of a middle size, unnatural yeah. size. Like when they were small, it was easy to get away with. They're getting mm. bigger, and them just sitting around. The lighting doesn't necessarily match for me match. a whole lot. Yeah. Um, yeah, the something was just a little off. The yeah, they no, just and it's not it's not it. bad. It's just no. that it's it hasn't aged well. They eventually get to a point where this is like, fucking seamless. I'd say even when they, it was just kind of like whenever they were up all sitting there. But whenever like Drogon jumped on the gold crate and stuff like that, like that looked good. Like whenever he like scared, like got close to the camera and like you know roared a little bit to to you know intimidate. The people there, like I don't know, it looked it looked good there. It was just like at the beginning when it showed them all kind of like sitting behind Daenerys, um, and in the like the static light, it didn't kind of match. But um, I'd say like that's the only thing visually. That well, was and off I think of. they were trying to accommodate for the dragon, the lighting with the dragons by making the entire scene lit pretty blandly, like mm-hmm. it was all just front front lighting, yeah. not a lot of shadow going on there. Like this, this show is usually really good at is just like making the scenes pretty through lighting. And uh, I don't think they did a lot of that there. And I think it's because the dragons are there. It's a little bit harder to CGI the lighting with the dragons and stuff. So they just went with front facing lighting and it made it nice and easy for them. Um, yeah, that, but yeah, it, it, it has aged, only... it, it's aged for sure. Um, but for 10 years ago, like oh, if this is 2013, you're like, whoa, mm-hmm. like, that's that's like that's shocking there. Like it also doesn't help that like the most iconic behind the scenes photo of Daener- of Amelia Clark petting a tennis ball. Yeah, it happened. Like that's all I was thinking about during that. Too. Oh, yeah. I'm like, like oh, whenever she's totally doing just this, touching a whenever tennis he ball. Leaves, there's just a tennis <laughs> yeah. ball there. It's just yeah. like a frame of reference, so she knows where to pet. You know. Yeah. Um. Uh, 
so good. But I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think every everything else was like the direction. You know, I, I've been I've been saying saying her name the whole episode. Um, and yeah, Michelle you know, McLaren did a hell of so, a job here. I think so she did that. a great job at directing the actors um, mm. in a situation like uh, Rob Stark learning the information about Talisa's pregnancy. Mm. I think that's a situation where it could have just been a very plain, normal, like, yay, happy. But there is this ambiguity in the performance. Yeah. And I don't think I like to I'd like to give Richard Madden the credit and say he made that choice. But it felt very intentionally directed that way. You know, like uh, it doesn't feel like the obvious way to handle the situation. So, like, I feel like that's something that a, a director had to take into their own hands and say, this is how I kind of want it done. And uh and even the the scene, you know, Tywin and, and Joffrey, like the decision to have him walk up the stairs the moment that you know the line is said of like you expect me to walk up all these stairs, and then as him slowly, you know, and like mm-hmm. the just you just hear each step yep. and like Clunk. see each Clunk. each footstep take Clunk. taken, and then like he really like rises above. Like the 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 shot is like to show that like. Tywin is now looking down mm. at Joffrey, you know, right. like that was just so beautifully done. And like, I and don't there's know. also like one moment in this show that I think is very visually distinctive as far as like, I don't think I've seen a shot quite like it in a lot of other. And it is during that scene where when Tywin enters the room, it's like the camera's almost on his shoulder and you can see like the side of his face and his shoulder approaching Joffrey. And it's almost shaky cam. Like you can tell Someone is just carrying a camera right behind Tywin following him. And it looks like it looks really good. It looks really just natural. And I thought it was incredible framing the way that like Joffrey's sitting up at the top of the frame and like you can see him up there and Tywin's approaching him in all darkness, just like not afraid of the interaction he's about to incur. He's not he is proudly marching forward knowing he is right. Oh, yeah. Now I see that. Yeah, I didn't. I guess I didn't catch that at first. There's not many shaky cam. Like no, not no, many. It's always times pretty, pretty that. standardly mounted wow. and stuff. Like it, it didn't take me out of the episode. It just jarred me and went, and it made me go, "Oh, I like that choice." Like it was just a because they could have just done a simple mounted the camera, showed him walking towards the frame, but you go with Tywin instead of watching him go further and further from the camera. Yeah. And I think that's a uh, it's just an interesting choice. You just don't see a lot of. Um, and even yeah, it's it's to and just to makes you feel he's the powerful one in the mm-hmm. situation. You're you you're are looking him like you're looking at the throne, but like he's in focus. Joffrey on the throne itself, and like all the fire and everything behind. You know, he's made the throne room look more manly, and you know mm-hmm. he's done his redecorations and everything. But it's still like okay, yeah, whatever. That's just Joffrey, you know. And I okay, I I like that. Yeah. Um. Wow. No, yeah. Hell yeah. This, I don't know. I'd say the only gripe I had was, you know, the dragon's just not standing up to 2023 standards, but how can yeah. I really give that a gripe for, for 2013? Um, yeah, no, I think it did a hell of a job, you yeah. know? I think, like, any, still, it's above a nine, for sure, you know? Like, it's mm-hmm. still, that's just how good the show is. Even, yeah. I said it didn't feel quite as complete as the previous episodes, and even so, it's still better than most TV, you know? Um yeah, I think last episode we gave a nine two five. Um, oh shit! That's um, where my gut was. So I'm yeah. like, "Fuck it, man. Yeah, sure, we can go ahead and tie it. I don't mind." Yeah. Um, because then that would give the episode 
a average of 942, um, which, let's see, is, that's like middle of the road, kind of this season it looks like, um, but still above the first episode, above the second episode, above the third. So yes, it is above three episodes, so it's fourth. Yes, it is in fourth place right now. <laughs> it's right in the middle, um, actually, um, of the episodes we have so far. So I think, I don't know, that, that kind of makes sense there. It's just... Yeah, that works. Yeah. Um, okay. I dig that. I dig that. Oh, yeah, um, I do too. Then with that, I think... Sons. We'll... Um, I don't want to think too much, I guess, of what happens. It, it is it is being nice being shocked, you know. And, yeah, and have, kind of being like letting it wash over me and stuff has been a lot but, of fun. But uh, That's the thing. Second Sons and then it's Reigns of Castamere, man. It's just... Yeah, uh, we're right around the corner, man. That's uh, uh, And it kind of reminds you how much it just sneaks up on you. Like, it's yep. just... We're feeling like, real good about Rob right now. Oh, there's a kid yeah, on the man. way. Yeah, man, it's just so a happy. whole different fucking ball game. It's so Eesh. bizarre. Eesh. We got one more episode to live with it. Live without it. Fuck! Yep. Yeah, no. But I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. I've mentally prepared for months now. Um, yeah. But yeah, with that, I think we'll conclude this episode of Winter is Blooming. We'll be back next week for Season 3, Episode 8, The Second Sons. We are going to be continuing our top 100 favorite Star Wars characters tomorrow and Thursday, May the 4th, uh, with the last two parts of that, the top 20. Uh, we got uh, 19 through 11 tomorrow, and then the top 10 on Thursday, and I'm very excited about that. Uh, Wednesday, the Ahsokast continues. We're taking a journey through Ahsoka Tano's biggest moments as a character, and this Wednesday is the first arc in the Clone Wars, the Malevolence arc. That's a goodie, so I strongly recommend you go ahead and check that out. Watch the episodes and then uh, check it out with us. Seasons one, season one, episodes two through four. Uh, that's this Wednesday. Friday, we continue our comic book movie journey through film. And I believe this week is X2, one of the better X-Men movies uh, for mm-hmm. my money. And that was a great conversation that we had. So that's what we got lined up for the week. I'm very excited for you to hear all of that. Uh, head to patreon.com slash pennyloompod where you'll find over 50 hours of exclusive content, including all sorts of uh, book reviews, comic book reviews, movie reviews. Um, I finished Better Call Saul, and I'm working on writing that review for it right now, so it'll be out within the next probably week. And uh, I'm excited for you guys to see that. Flexing the old writing muscles again, so I'm excited for that. Uh, head to Twitter, follow at Penny Bloom Pod, follow on Instagram at Penny Bloom Podcast, and remember to leave a five star rate and review wherever you might be listening. Um, yeah, I was Colton Robertson. I was joined by Joseph George. Thank you very much, homie. Oh, thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure to be here. Oh, and it's always a pleasure to have you. And remember, peace, love, and bloom. And I've seen wet shits I like more than Walter Frey.